Hello and welcome to More Movies Weekly number 11. 11! If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the podcast. If you are a returning viewer, well, welcome back. Sure is nice to have you with us. My name's Greg Fisher. This legend next to me is David Roberts. How's it going, Dave? <laughs> I'm well, sir. I'm well. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Enjoying the uh, summer weather here in the UK at the moment. Yeah, it's been pretty good, hasn't it? Roasting outside. Yeah, it never lasts long, so, you know, enjoy it while you can. But been watching plenty of movies this week, so let's get straight into the show and start talking about them. What do you say? Sounds good, sounds good. Action! So this week, David and I have been watching a classic from 1991 called Thelma and Louise. It was directed by Ridley Scott. It stars Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon in the lead roles. Kind of a major film of the 90s, really. Um, I hadn't seen it, ever. And I watched it this week. You know, bit of a classic film, loved by many, hated by few. What do you think of it, Dave? Uh, I, I think it's brilliant. It's one of my uh, one of my old favourites. Uh, seen it a fair few times over the years. It's um, it's a very uh, interesting film because of, you know, uh, particularly you know, in terms of important for feminist filmmaking. Um, oh yeah, just the idea that it takes that old trope of the road movie, which had pretty much been a male dominated and still is really a male dominated uh, genre, of the road movie. Um, but it's you know two female leads, strong female leads, absolutely, um, and subverts the whole expectation of it. And uh, yeah, it's really it's a great film. It's fun, but also of course quite sad and uh, poignant as well at the same time. It's, like all uh, the best movies are, that's a, it, yeah. a mixed bag of emotions, a roller coaster, if you will. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, to set it up for people. Um, we got two two main leads here, Thelma and Louise, just like it says on the tin. Uh, Thelma is a kind of like a browbeaten housewife. She's sort of stuck indoors all day. She's got this real jerk of a husband, played by Christopher McDonald. Um, and she doesn't really seem to get out much or have much of a life. Apparently, she's sort of been married to him since she was like 18. So that's her lot in life. Her best friend, Louise, played by Sarandon, um, is a waitress at a local um, diner. And the two of them decide to get away from it all on a little fishing trip up to some shack, get out of Arkansas, let's go and have a little road trip, a little holiday, get away from it all. And that's where the fun begins because um, pretty much as soon as we kick into it, they, they, you know, on the end of the first day, they get to this bar and they're like, come on, let's loosen up, let's have some fun, let's have some drinks. And you can, you know, you can get along with that. It's like, yeah, ladies on the road, want to have a good time. And then there's this jerk in the bar who starts sort of like straight away sniffing around him. How are you doing, ladies? Want to dance? All this kind of crap. And um, Louise is not really interested. And she's like, you know, get rid of this guy. The waitress is even trying to warn him. This guy's a waste of space. But poor old Thelma, she's so into having some fun and cut loose because she has such a sort of crappy life back home that, you know, she dances with the guy. She has a fun time. But then... This guy takes her, they go out into the car park for some fresh air, whatever, and he takes advantage of her, basically tries to rape her. And straight away, he's like a scumbag, you know. So from what's gone to a fairly lighthearted, uh, you know, road movie, uh, straight away within 20 minutes, you've got this really heavy scene. That scene, to me, I wasn't ready for it, you know, straight away, 20 minutes in, and we're dealing with like a 
this jerk off and this rape scene and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's a very um it's a very powerful scene and it's a very a, a brave thing to do in the film, obviously so so early. It reminded me really of of Hitchcock, you know, right. uh, kind of idea of let's get into something really early. Yeah. And surprise you and take you off yeah. guard. Because of course you go into the film and everything about it seems like you know, if you were looking at it and you didn't know about it, it's hard to do now because it is a very well-known film. Sure. But you look at the artwork, you look at the description of it all and everything, you just think it's a, it's a light-hearted comedy road it's, movie. It's these, Steel Magnolias on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it very quickly changes from that yeah. Yeah. Um, and completely switches the genre into, no, this is, um, you know, more akin to um, criminals on the run, you know, kind of sure. uh, uh, movie because yeah. of such a, a shocking incident and something that's, you know, at least up until that point, I don't think had been really done that much. Um, yeah, the only film I can think of that kind of predates it that deals with that kind of subject matter is uh, the um, the accused Jodie Foster. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That was, I think it was 80s, like a couple of years before it, late 80s. And, you know, th- that had a similar that has similar um, scenes in it and it was quite shocking at the time. Um, but that concentrated on that whole incident and then what happened to that character. To be honest, the accused deals with that whole scenario um, a little bit more seriously. Yes. Uh, Thelma Louise takes, like you said, that genre of the road trip movie, almost like a buddy movie, but it yep. incorporates these themes within it. Louise turns up, they, they've got a gun. They brought a gun with them. Thank God, you know, they're going to need it. And she basically diffuses the situation and gets Thelma out of danger um, and says to this guy, you know, you just, you know, when somebody is crying like that, they're not having a good time. That's where you should stop. He doesn't know where to stop, and he mouths off. And she turns around and she blasts him. She kills him. Now, at this point in the film when this happened, I was glad she did that. I don't want to feel like that about people, you know? I don't want people to get killed and die, but this guy is such a scumbag, you know? You, That's the thing. She it's turns the, around um, and you're like, yeah, shoot him. Shoot him in the balls. Shoot him in the face. Yeah. Do whatever you've got to it's do. It's that um, carfetic violence, isn't it, of, well, actually, this guy's such a twat, um, such a scumbag. You're happy that the violence on screen is being perpetrated. And that's the intrigue for the rest of the movie because, of course, now they're on the run for committing a crime. Yeah. You're sitting there as the audience, knowing what happened, thinking you can't blame them for, for doing that in yeah. that situation kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this is the you interesting know. part, I thought, because they decide not to turn themselves in. As things go on, they become even bigger criminals in a way Yeah. because they meet Brad Pitt. And there's Brad Pitt in there in one of his earliest screen performances. Very early role, yeah. And uh, he is himself on the run. Uh, he's Skip Bale or something, she finds out, uh, because he's he's been an armed robber. And he teaches her, you know, basically how to do it you know a couple of uh scenes later where they need some money she goes and uh she puts it into practice herself and that was one of my favorite scenes actually where she uh she robs the liquor store 
because <laughs> there's a hilarious bit where the the um, FBI guy Hal and that um, Harvey Keitel who's chasing her, that they're, they're watching the the CCTV video of her robbing the store, and her husband, played by Christopher Mac, McDonald, sitting there, and he's got this look on his face. He just can't believe <laughs> this is his little, you know, his little stay at home wife has suddenly turned yeah. into like Jesse turned James. Into a huge girl. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he's got this look on his face like, ah, I thought that was quite entertaining, really funny. And that's the thing, it shows that descent into, well, you've done one crime, so what's the harm in doing any more? Especially as you need money, they're trying to escape to Mexico, that's the whole deal, I suppose. Let's go to Mexico now. When uh, that cop on the side of the road and they they go on him up and end up putting him in the boots of the car and stuff, and it's just totally out of control at this point, you know. And then after that, there's the trucker. That's, yes. that's uh, you know, basically um, wolf whistling them and um, cat calling them, and then they just pull him over and they stick the gun in his face and demand an apology. And he's such, he's such a dumb guy; he doesn't even understand what's going on. So she shoots his truck, and the whole thing blows up. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> They're getting into a, like some serious damage here. So yeah, I mean, it does subvert the whole idea of the buddy movie and the road movie having these two women in the lead roles and having them become these people that, you know, are forced into a life of crime, so to speak. Ridley Scott did an amazing job directing it, I thought. It was really good. And a, and for me, it's a different film for Ridley Scott. When you look at his whole filmography, this is the one that stands out as it's a bit different from the yeah. everything else he's done. And generally it's action or sci-fi or um yeah it's a great film and great great very entertaining i think it's great great cast this is kind of setting up people who would do lots in the 90s really with um harvey Keitel and michael madsen and stuff you know yeah. um, early stuff for madsen it would be around yeah. the time he's done um reservoir dogs he's not done uh too much else which he would obviously go on to do there were other um uh, actors that were put up for the roles as well. Originally, apparently, it was going to be Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster in the lead roles. They went on and did other things, basically. You know, they had other commitments. So then there was Meryl Streep and Goldie Horn, and they were going to do it. But again, um, it just didn't work out, and we ended up Gina Davis as Thelma, and uh, Susan Sarandon came in as Louise, and that's how we know and love it. But it would have been a very different film, I think, with uh, Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer I don't and think... Jodie Foster. I don't think either of them combinations. I don't think. It works, I don't think uh, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn would have worked as well. No. But um, I don't know. I'm not I, sure I, about Pfeiffer. Either. I don't I know if it's her kind of film. Well, I, I imagine that as Pfeiffer would be Louise and um, Foster would be Thelma. So, but it's hard. It's such an iconic film. It's hard to imagine anyone else playing Anything those else, roles. Yeah. <laughs> They're both fantastic, weren't they? And I think it's a great cast. It's great seeing a young Brad Pitt in there. You know, mm. um, he does a great part. And yeah. it's, a, it's a one of his it first looks roles. great. It sounds great. It's 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 fun, but it's got something to it. Sure. And of course, everyone knows the ending. Um, yeah. It's one of them that's become iconic uh, in pop culture. The yeah. driving the car off the end of the cliff. It, and it's I, still I like the there. way so you don't see it land. You don't see them explode no. and die in a ball of flames. It just sort of freeze it's frame, pause. fade to white. That's it. We're done with this story. The end. I thought it was quite a brave ending in a way. Yeah, uh, I felt it. I, I think it's very, it was because it's, it's very European. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's and, a new wave ending, isn't it? It's it is. Very it's very much, uh, you know. It, it doesn't all go, well, we're not really going to tell you. No. It's implied, but, you know. Sure. Um, 
it's bittersweet. Um, it's iconic. It's that car is iconic. Yeah. That uh, yeah. uh, Ford Thunderbird. Such a cool car. There were so many times oh, in that where the wheels car. spinning and they're, they're taking off. I'm like, that car is so cool. Right at the start when it's all like, you know, it looks new. It's all washed yeah. and it's just looking brilliant. And she pulls up to pick her up. I was like, that car is, oh, I love it. Beautiful. And you need, and even, to, for have an iconic road movie, you've got to have an iconic car. You've got to have an iconic car, yeah. And, and it looks the part, doesn't it? <laughs> but the that bit at the end, you know, where, where they're getting chased by the car, you know, it's a great chase, yeah. a classic kind of old school. Bit of an OJ chase, chase. all the cars yeah. behind that one, just, you know. And that shot from overhead, helicopter over the desert, the sand blowing up like 30, 40 police cars and that car in the distance. It's just, it's like, that is a picture, yeah. you know, that, that says everything. It's... Uh, it is brilliant and enjoyable to watch, but there we go. Absolute classic, uh, in my opinion. It's one of them. It is brilliant. What do you think at home? Do you uh, enjoy Thelma and Louise? It's a classic. It seems to be popular with people. Um, I watched it for the first time. I think it's great. Really cool film. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Okay, so we've had another week of movie news. Um, Dave, anything cropped up on your radar you want to discuss? Yeah, well, I think the the biggest news of the week is, of course, uh, Amazon. Um, they've bought MGM, right? Uh, Eight point four five billion dollars. Um, <laughs> this is insane amounts of money. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any media property has been bought for that much money. Before. How much did they think... sell uh, Star Wars for, Lucasfilm, to Disney? That's an interesting was that, question. Was that three so billion. Look, that was four point. Oh, five billion. It's a four billion. So a half the amount that they bought MGM yeah. for. I mean, even maybe with MGM's a bigger catalog. I think uh, so. I think it must be. I mean, it's not just but, Bond, is it? There's there's all sorts of properties there. You know, they got some big IPs in there. They got the James Bond, of course. They got Rocky. Yeah, James Bond is clearly the biggest. Yeah, catalyst for it, and that's been the big question mark over it in terms of oh, what's going to happen to Bond then. You know. Um, it certainly guarantees its future because they will continue to put it out. You know, uh, previously James Bond has had a history of um, problems with production and uh, financing and stuff. Yeah, they have committed to say the producers of James Bond have committed saying Bond will still go out of the pictures. Yeah, theatrical. It's not going to be theatrical release yeah. only on Prime, which is good to hear. But it does raise the flagpole of Prime um, because they're now going to have a. a they already had a great catalogue anyway, actually, but now they've got this whole MGM catalogue, so it does give them a big stake in the ground to go, mm. we're competing with Netflix. and you Disney, know, you really, the, isn't it? Because Disney's got so many other properties, like the, like Lucasfilm and stuff, uh, that, and Marvel. Disney have launched, you know, Disney have, have got their catalogue, and obviously they bought Lucasfilm and Marvel, and they've got Fox. So they, they've, they've got their own property IPs anyway, yeah. which they've pushed forward on theirs. Paramount have just come out with theirs, so yeah. they're clearly putting their stake in the ground. Netflix have kind of created their own content over the last 10 years because they were first to the boot. Sure, yeah. Um, Prime was really the one sitting there. They've, they've done a few things, but they haven't really had big-name franchises sitting there behind them. Um, this does give them that. Yeah. Um, what they do with it is, of course... Up we don't to them. Know. Well, this is the thing. Some people talking about the fact that um, will. Bond just eventually end up, uh, you know, VOD, watching it at home, streaming it. 
Uh, also, whether it will um, involve any spin-off kind of material, because I was reading also about it that even though they own the the Bond films and stuff like that, they don't own entirely the rights to the character. It's a, no. it's a bit more complicated and messy, so it's probably less likely in that way that we'll see any kind of spin-offs like you know a Money Penny uh, miniseries <laughs> or something like that, or you, you know whatever they attempted to do. But um, yeah, interestingly though. Um, I read something the other day, and I can't remember the cinema off the top of my head now. There was talks of Amazon buying a cinema chain. It's um, just, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter to me because it's uh, it's the big boys just swapping the chips around or, you know, gambling with this. I'll have that. You have this. We'll keep that. We'll do this. Whether that affects our actual consumption of movies in the, in the way we consume them now. There is the concerns about... Um, how many of these streaming services are, are turning up? Yeah. We're having a lot of You've got to subscribe siloed. to all of them then. Well, this is the problem. that The whole thing was that, we, you know, say in the UK here, you know, if you wanted to watch everything, you'd have to go and get Sky or something. Yeah. And you'd pay for all the packages. It'd be under pound a month or something, you know, for everything. Um, Netflix came along and changed that in terms of, you can watch loads of stuff and it's just seven or eight quid or whatever it was originally. Yeah. Now it's there's Netflix, there's Disney, there's Paramount Plus, there's BritBox, there's Prime, there's you know, there's, so there's like five or six already. Mm. There's more coming. We know of. They're coming to get you, Barbara. So you know, it ends up at going. Hold on a second. We're paying. We're, we're paying for ten services, ten pound each. It's the same money we were paying for Sky back before <laughs> this whole thing. You know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and it does become concerning because no one's going to buy all of them. No. So then that splits the market of who's watching what uh, you know yeah yeah interesting and and obviously the biggest uh, concern for people like us is what effect it does have on theatrical releases for yeah uh franchises like bond but like you said broccoli barbara broccoli and stuff has said no we're committed to keeping it as a theatrical release also you know it's daniel craig's last bond film so that's that's another part of it. it's like what 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 happens to Bond after this? Because to me, that happens every few years with Bond. Every time they get a new Bond or, you know, it's happened in the last few times because Craig said he's not going to come back to the role. And it's like, well, what's the future of Bond? Are we going to get, you know, questions like, are we going to get a female Bond? Or, you know, like I've just mentioned, is Bond suddenly become going to become a mini series or a, or a TV show, you know? And um, who knows? I mean, because that's what's kind of happened with Star Wars now that they've gone over to Disney it's almost like the more successful Star Wars properties are the ones that are have become like little television shows like The Mandalorian. Obviously, we've yep. got The Bad Batch and stuff like that at the moment. And to an extent, that's happening with Marvel as well because we've seen it with um, WandaVision and um, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. It's interesting. It's interesting how it's changing. Yeah, it's the blurring, the blurring of what content... Well, it's now content. It's not TV. It's not film it's it's got content in it and it's interesting how everything's blurring about a bit and it's yeah because yeah. It's, it's evolving what's it certainly is evolving so in other news we were looking at um proposals for a gladiator 2 talking of ridley scott again yeah this is um i mean we talked last week about you know kind of it seems like we talk every week about this. <laughs> you know, either remakes, yeah, same, reboots, sequels remake, that they reboot, shouldn't be sequel, making. Sequel, prequels, yeah. Um, I think this is the one I have the most problem with, where they wait 20, 30 years, and then they try and make a sequel to something. 
I mean, like, I've, obviously, we've been over this before. Coming to America, you know, uh, things like this. They're dragging up classics, trying to make a sequel. But with this one, it's not going to be like Russell Crowe's going to be in the lead role and, you know, they're going to bring his character back. It's going to be something very different. Yeah, the, the, so the idea is that um, it's, it's supposed to be about the, if it goes ahead, it's supposed to be about the son of Lucilla, who was played by Connie Nielsen. Yeah. Um, and the original film. And, it is just the little was, kid that was uh, Commodore's uh, grandson, wasn't nephew it? Nephew uh, or something, yeah. yeah um, nephew, <clears throat> was, and he's like it, uh, the Emperor's grandson, sorry. Yeah, and apparently, you know, he was very influenced uh, and um, inspired by um, Maximus, you know. Mm. It's so speedy idea. This is the one, out of all of the ones we've talked about, this is the one I really have a problem with. Okay. Because I couldn't think of anything more stupid or dumb. It really doesn't... I it, can. Thelma and Louise too. Well, yes. But, they survived <laughs> the jump. You know, they actually made it over back. the Grand Canyon to Mexico. They've been hiding in Mexico for 30 years. Yeah, and, and now they're, they're old back girls. To, to rob some The Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but you, you look at this. You got to go. Gladiator is uh, a phenomenal film, an absolutely phenomenal seminal film of the two thousands. It's pretty good. That, um, it's pretty good. Very widely loved by people. Mm-hmm. Um, that has a very definitive ending, in my opinion. It yeah. ends, yeah. and that is it. Yeah. And we haven't gone back to it you know and it's like great it sits there it's a fantastic uh, one to keep going back to this is just finding any edge that you can think of oh the sun that that'll do you know yeah. we're gonna we're gonna grab that it's, it's like such a far-reaching stretch to go we'll grab that and that's what's going to make the sequel it's just like mm. how desperate do you have to be and i will have my vengeance in this life or the next no, it is. I, I agree with you. I think it's like clutching at straws again, re- regurgitating former ideas that were once successful, you know, twenty odd years ago, and trying to breathe new life into them. Again, like I always say, the caveat it, it, it may turn out to be wonderful, and we're like, wow, wow, you know, fantastic. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. It's really great. But yeah, I agree with you generally as an idea, as something to pursue and put some money into they should be putting their money into younger people with fresh ideas who who therefore don't have to compromise and just make some sort of right really low budget indie film yeah go and go and pump some money into into these to these young talented filmmakers and and have something fresh for us all to watch but yeah i mean talking about sequels that have probably um you know uh had their day and 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 run amok and gone too far indiana jones 5 Apparently, uh, Harrison <laughs> is in the UK at the moment. He is. Uh, pictures just come being released. Uh, we'll put up now. Uh, he's, he's landed there. They've just started filming here in the UK. He's actually um, managed to land the plane this time, has he? He has. <laughs> it's a <great> <laughs> <field>. <laughs> Actually, I was watching a little bit of uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull last night, and when I looked at him in it, I thought, you know what? Looking back now, because that was quite a few years ago now, um, he didn't. Yeah. yeah, he didn't look 
that old. No. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's obviously an older man and stuff, but when I was looking at it, I thought, well, he can still run about, he can still do the whip and punch some guys and stuff like that, but he didn't look like super old. I thought, you know, this is still acceptable, but now, 2008, so we're 13 years on. Then again, having looked at that photo, he doesn't look too bad of shape. No, and, and surely they'll do something with it. It's a hard one, this, because I love Indy. Yeah, totally. Um, the first I, love three, I love the first three films. I thought um, they were, like like Back to the Future, I thought they were a perfect trilogy. Yeah. I don't mind the fourth one. No, it's, it's the okay. ending yeah. of it. It's the whole it, it, um, interdimensional beings thing, you know, the George yeah. Lucas element that was kind of sucked. Well, I said, George, I love you. That's the best news you've ever given me. He said, yeah, they're not aliens. They're, they're kind of extra dimensional. I said, what? He said, every <laughs> but, that's some That's some good stuff in there. I mean, you know. But I just don't, I, I just don't see how, what they're going to do with this fifth one. I don't get it because it's like, to me, if you wanted to do something with Indy, do a prequel, you know, like they did with Young Indiana Jones, which is actually quite fun. Mm. Maybe do something when he's in his twenties or something, you know, just fresh, after fresh that. actor, fresh actor. Just do go and do that instead, you know. And there's plenty of stuff to do. Then you could you mm. could play around with. Um, I, I wouldn't keep tracking it out now because it's just a bit. Don't pass on the torch to someone else. Don't have a son or anything. That's crap. Yeah, you know, no one really cares about that. Just. In fact, if you want to do something, do that. Don't call me Junior. Yeah, and another thing that's just come out this week, and we talk about um, sequels and spin-offs and stuff, and, and this one's another one which I, I'm finding a bit bizarre. Um, Todd Phillips is apparently um, working on writing a, a sequel to Joker. Oh, Jacqueline Phoenix. To be honest, I've said it before, if they do it so that it's going to tie in with the Pattinson Batman, I'm all for it. Because I thought he was great as the Joker, and it would be nice to sort of bring those two together at some point. It w- yes, I don't know if it would work um, necessarily. Um, it's because it's a very different. Well, style. That, again, like you said, but about maybe Gladiator, that was a great standalone film. You don't, yeah. you just don't go and make a sequel to something that was so well-rounded. It's one of the things one and done, isn't it? Well, when I was reading about it, it said, uh, oh, uh, you know, despite um, mixed reviews. So there are a lot of people out there that apparently that didn't like Joker, but uh, I, thought, oh, yeah, I, thought, it was very... I thought it was a solid film. You know, even outside of comic book movies, I thought it was a solid film. It was a bit of a remake of King of Comedy, really, Scorsese's King of Comedy. And it very much is, but I think it, what it, I, I remember at the time it was very divisive. There were people who, people who were angry at the film, really? um, that saying it was Are these irresponsible. The same people that, that wanted Jared Leto's uh, yeah. joke to to come back. There's people saying it was irresponsible, and um, oh, because of the the protagonist is is a, a maniacal killer. Yeah, and stuff like this. But I kind of thought there's a lot of films. Yeah, um, of course. Go, go check out the rest of cinema. You'll find plenty of this stuff, you know, yeah, loads and of a lot examples. worse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so as usual this week, we've been putting lots of stuff out on our website, moremovies.co.uk. Go and check it out where you'll find such things as This Week in Film History post, which we put out every week. 
and it looks back into the past uh, with dates from this week uh, in terms of births, deaths, releases, events in the movie industry. Uh, we've also got our reaction to the Eternals trailer has just gone up on YouTube, so you can check that out on our YouTube channel, link in the description below. Talking of Thelma and Louise, we also got our top five Ridley Scott films. I can let you know that Thelma and Louise is one of them, but you're going to go and have to check out the article to see what the other four we shortlisted are. Absolutely. And uh, we've got a review up for Those Who Wish Me Dead, a film and fine from yourself there, Greg. That's uh, right. It's up on the website That's, and the uh, YouTube channel. Angelina Jolie's latest effort. So uh, check out that video to see what my thoughts were on that little movie. Of course, come and join us on social media at More Movies For You, unless you're on Facebook, which is just at More Movies For You too. Um, let's have a look at the tweet of the week, which this week is by Larry Karajewski, who uh, found himself outside of uh, Barbara Stanwyck's house from Double Indemnity, which is one of our favourite film noir films, is it not? It is a great film and great house, iconic. It is, isn't it? At it's least such to a us cool fans. place. And if you look at those photos as well, it's hardly changed. That's Such so classic cool. kind of protected Hollywood Hills uh, houses, aren't they? That yeah, from the from the early twentieth century, they look great though. That's but it. yeah, nice one to Larry Karajewski who found himself there and put that out. Um, you know, top that Twitter. Let's see if you can top that. If you can, we'll put you up as the tweet of the week next week. Also, join us on TikTok and Instagram at More Movies for You, and um, we do uh, movie of the day. So let's check out some of them right now. There is no movie of the day there. The answer is no. I gotta go. What? The answer is yes. 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 Well, I know how good the coffee is in my kitchen because I'm the one who buys it. That's right. It's Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, one of the best films ever made. Let's go get it on. Today's movie of the day is Steven Spielberg's classic Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's no Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's passable. It's okay. It's not so bad, really. Honestly. <laughs> and there we go, Dave. That's another week for more movies weekly. Join us again next week to see what we've been watching, and we'll be talking about other movie news. Until then... Take good care of yourselves and keep watching more movies. That's it for this video. Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. And remember to like, share and subscribe right here on YouTube. For more film reviews and articles, why not check out our website, moremovies.co.uk. And join us on social media at moremovies4u. That's across the board. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you know the score. If you want to support us, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Link in the description down below. And for more film-tastic content, Click one of the buttons on screen now.